The Clean Collective, empowering community through sustainability. No action is too small. The Clean Collective offers thanks and respect to the Gayamagal people, traditional owners of the land upon which the following conversation was recorded. Well, well, well. Why am I saying well, well, well? I don't think that anyone's that surprised to be... It's not like I'm spinning in a chair in some ominous room because someone's just stumbled in here accidentally listening to this podcast. Not well, well, well. I think just welcome back to the ripple effect. Ooh, that was an awful pun, but I didn't really know how to segue out of that awkward introduction. Thanks for tuning in again to episode number eight. How are we up to episode number eight already? I think, surely... If the pace at which we have ripped through this podcast series, for me, is anything to go by, we must have been having a pretty good time together, right? Surely we've all been enjoying this series because it's... I can't believe we're at episode 8 already. This conversation is with Harriet Spark, who might be the most true blue, fair dinkum Aussie environmentalist that you will ever listen to. Harriet's love for nature took her into the ocean as a diver, and then it sounds like Harriet had one of those crazy moments that many of us have in going, oh my God, there is so much to do. In terms of raising awareness about conservation and inspiring the same love for nature in other people. So from that history of diving, Harriet's gone into graphic design, or actually that's quite a limiting term because Harriet is one of those people who's kind of irritatingly good at everything, particularly in multimedia is what I'm referring to. Video, photo, making graphics, if you name it, Harriet can do it and probably better than anyone else you can find to pay to do it. Anyway, it was really cool to sit down with Harriet because she started this thing called Strawkling. Have you heard of Strawkling before? And if you haven't, that's okay because it's quite a, it's, well, it's new. It's a brand new thing and you probably won't find it in the dictionary. Strawkling comes from Well, a combination of these two things, environmentalism, communication, and diving, well, snorkeling in this case. Harriet was spending a lot of time snorkeling in Manly Cove with a mate and realised how many plastic straws were washing up in this cove. And I don't know if you're a Sydney local, but if you ever get to Sydney and you get to Manly, take a look in Manly Cove because it's kind of one of these morbidly fascinating things where whether it's ocean currents or wind or just the laziness of the people that visit there, surely not, because there's a million different types of people that visit there every day. Either way, it's a real hot spot for rubbish. Manly Cove seems to just funnel it in from the rest of Sydney. And so Harriet just got busy picking it all up. And so I don't know how much rubbish you pick up. Do you ever do that? Do you ever just like... Picking up rubbish is kind of one of these weird personal introspective things where you have to decide how much you want to let it invade your life. But the fact is, is that what you walk past or what you swim past, in Harriet's case, is what you accept. So if you tread through some rubbish and you don't pick it up, then that's you sort of putting your hands up going, well, this is the way the world is and I'm absolving myself of any responsibility to do anything about it. Which, if you ask me, is a very human, very understandable, but kind of cop-out answer in this situation because we've all got to put our hands up and just start picking this stuff up. So as intimidating as that can be on land when it's nice and sunny and warm, imagine putting on a wetsuit and getting into Manly Cove in the middle of winter to get in the water and do it. Because that's what Harriet does. And it proved to be an awesome community success, really popular with people of all sorts of ages. And it's this beautiful thing where many hands make light work and it makes this really formidable, ominous task of picking up rubbish a lot easier and a lot more enjoyable. So Strawkling really took off. I'd encourage you to look it up in more detail, Operation Straw, and reach out if you want to start doing that somewhere that you know is polluted nearby to you that's not necessarily in the Sydney area. I'm pretty sure Operation Straw would be stoked to see you put your wetsuit and your snorkeling mask on wherever you are, Darwin, WA, the Philippines, who knows, and just getting busy because that's what it's all about. It's all about each and every one of us just putting our hand up and getting busy. No one exemplifies that responsibility better than Harriet Sparks. I think it's time that I stop talking about her and let her begin speaking for herself. So I hope you enjoy this episode, guys. Harriet Spark. We don't have to talk about it at all. Do you mind if we don't? Just because I'm like super, I can talk about it with other people, but to go on a podcast and if I get anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want it because it is a contentious issue. I don't want to be like, 
the white person talking about. Totally. Yeah. Isn't that just the most horrible obstruction to the conversation though at all? It's like feeling that you as, and I often feel this myself, I'd like to think of myself as a well-intentioned person, you know, yeah. definitely not out there to inflame anybody or say anything offensive, just trying to have the conversation or at least start the conversation. Yeah. But it's so loaded and so people are so emotionally volatile and just ready to either lash out in defense or offense in talking about it that we just don't yeah and then it just perpetuates because no one's talking about it because there's but you're so right like there's just so much such a loaded conversation to have yeah for sure it's really hard i i think yeah it's just tricky if you don't i think it's really important to not spread misinformation as well definitely and so i try and only talk on things that i feel 100 percent sure of yeah man i i try and do that Give me like one beer and it's just suddenly everything I say is fact. I date and the but then you get called out immediately. And oh, but it's just fine it. if you're not being recorded. <laughs> right. You can fuck up. But Actually, that's true. Yeah, but are we, record, are we always careful. being recorded? Isn't that the problem now? Yeah, is that, this is true. Yeah. Social media life. Basically, don't speak out loud if there's a phone within 100 meters of you. Yeah, this is true. Pretty much it now. And you've got to be careful when you're out having a party. People are snapping away. Yeah. Do you know what though? I actually like that more um, like animal cruelty things that wouldn't have been recorded are now being prosecuted because people will like Snapchat or like really? um, put on their Instagram stories. Like I've seen stuff of like man kicks cat over fence or like, um, like oh. there's a man that threw a possum over a fence and they Snapchat it or put it on Facebook stories or Insta stories and then... Yeah, people actually send it into RSPCA and they can get prosecuted from that because it's evidence. So that's that's some mouth breather who's like, oh, check out how good my Saturday night was. I kicked a cat over a fence, yeah. sends it to his mates and then it leaks and then he yeah. ends up in front of a magistrate. Wow, that makes me happy. Maybe not a magistrate. We don't actually have that hardcore animal cruelty laws in Australia, but at least a fine. Really, that you just you don't even have to explain yourself. If you've got enough cat, cash, you can just kick as many animals as you want. Probably not that much. Like you'll end up eventually going to jail but yeah, yeah we're enough pretty snapchats lax if, if you get an extensive show reel probably you'll be up for yeah. a chat with somebody but yeah we don't really prosecute much yeah that's just one of my all-time favorite things about social media do you remember um i've got nothing against this bloke in particular but just like the nrl for me is the epitome of social media phone stupidity and that picture yeah. of todd carney pissing in his own mouth no i missed that it. i don't i'm not a team like, i'm not a team sport player just, Neither. I don't care about the. I don't even have an NRL team. I could not give a shit. But it was just like seeing that in the paper and just being like, "Are you serious right now?" Because he's like fully addressing the camera before he does it. It's like it's not like an accident. Yeah. Nothing about that is accidental. Did he get away? Like, is he still in the NRL? Oh, so I think the same thing. I think he got like a fine by the judiciary or whatever those words mean yeah but basically because he's enough of a brute and he's good enough at the game he's probably still in job and yeah like, just amazing it's absolutely amazing how stupid people can be with their phones definitely yeah. but i just hate that i don't know if that that was a woman that was um it would be amazing if she could do that like yeah do you mean like but if it was a photo a of her it would be sense. like yeah well like <laughs> it would be so much worse some serious um forces of nature at play to achieve that yeah without there a would be yeah. there, there would be yes and that would probably be more amazing but like the backlash would be a lot worse than for a dude i reckon is that just i would i'd like to consider that because men are expected to be stupid and ridiculous and women generally aren't as stupid as men yeah yeah, but I'm we should be allowed to be ridiculous. Yeah, and you should be held, like men and women should be held to the same standard yeah. for sure. But the but, levels of ridiculousness. Yeah, yeah, agree. Back to what you're saying that you triggered me just before about like how loaded this conversation is to talk about Indigenous issues. Yeah. I was chatting with a few Indigenous girls up in Byron earlier this year and who really helped me like shape my understanding of why it's such a hard conversation. And it's because if you are a non-Indigenous person, even if you're advocating and if you're well-intentioned trying to do the right thing, unless you're incredibly careful and you're receiving direct instruction, permission, etc., from traditional peoples, it's seen as a recreation because you as a non-Indigenous person can pick it up and put it down as an issue to care about, whereas it's not something that's entitled to 
people who are Indigenous. And yeah. that was sort of, I don't know, that hit home for me to be like, oh, okay. So no, sort of no matter what, even if you are trying to do the right thing or trying to make the correct noise or help, it, it can be, that's why it can be seen as a, a bad thing still. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's because it's just like, it's not my turn to talk on it. It's should be like the indigenous people's turn to talk on it so I like always feel strange talking about it even if I'm trying to talk about the right thing yeah yeah just yeah if that makes sense yeah totally and it, it's impossible to fathom that level of pain like intergenerational pain yeah and what that's like to wake up with every day and then how how charged you are ready to have that conversation if you see someone even if they're the nicest person in the world trying to help you and trying to say the same things as you it could be offensive because it's just like you've actually got no idea yeah. what you're talking about. You've got no idea that it's a lot deeper than you being able to represent the issue at all. Yeah. But then, like, what are we going to do about it? I like, how, is, how is that conversation going to progress? Yeah. It's really hard. I, I, this is this social, there's a lot of social stuff that's just not written down anywhere, but we flame each other if we get the rules wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I think as well, like, maybe you also just have to let your bloody white guilt go and be like, okay, well, I'm going to do what I can yeah. a little bit. So it's yeah. kind of like letting that go, but then also knowing when to like shut up and sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's true. And like when just to listen instead of speak. Like yeah. There's a, yeah. It's hard to know, but yeah. Everything's so fucking hard. Like, like, okay. So what do you do when you see someone who uses, I'm assuming like you're beyond using disposable, a lot of disposable shit. Or like you're at least very aware of it and trying to reduce yeah. your own impact and stuff. So what do you do when you see someone really flippantly not giving a shit? Um, if it's a friend, definitely say something. How? Can you tell me what? Because oh, like, yeah, I, definitely. Because okay. I've been trying like with people who are close to me and people who I know, who know I love them and know that I'm not doing it to fight or I'm yeah. not doing it to attack, but it's just like oh, I can't not say something now. Yeah, okay, I think... From years of experience, the first thing is to, actually, I can teach, like, I've learned this because my mum and dad raised me vegetarian. Okay. And so, you know, like, the second someone turns vegetarian or vegan, like, they just want to talk to everybody about it and, like, be like, you should go vegan. Yeah. Or, like, there sometimes is that vibe. Yes. That doesn't work. And I guess when I was growing up, you'd have all these like kids like throwing ham at you in the schoolyard and it was really just F yeah, really fully. and I was like a chubby little kid like just getting ham thrown at her um, sorry chubby little veggie kid getting ham yeah. thrown at her that is serious yeah bullying. it was serious that's it was so fun. Intense. but it's fine it made me into the person I am today absolutely stronger all the stronger for it yeah and then also because I'd grown up like that it wasn't something like it was just normal for me to not eat meat yeah and so I didn't want to talk about it because it's like brushing your teeth I, it's just part of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's how I grew up. If someone wanted to talk about it, I'd more than happily, like, go into the combo and stuff like that. Um, but what I found has been the most changing is with people that are close to you and do see how you live your life more often, just leading by example. Yeah. And so just doing it um, and showing people that actually don't have to drastically change your life or you can have exactly the same food just do it a different way yeah and that's in that's the same with plastic as well just do yeah. it a different way have it a different put a little bit more effort in things like that um so i definitely think leading by example and then trying to be funny trying to be funny funny interesting getting actually angry never works yeah agree and then your friends will always just start taking the piss out of you um my friends on insta stories actually got this one friend um, and he's just cutting up a steak she's every always day. Just, just like, no, oh, no, oh, no, 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 don't care about that. <laughs> yeah, no, um, but she's like always putting pictures up of her having takeaway coffee cups. So I just literally message her every time and say, Where's your keep cup at? Really? Just continuously, yeah. So what's it like when you see him or her in person? It's all good. She's one of my like best mates. I wonder oh. if she'll ever listen to this. Um, but yeah, no. But how do you know they're full? Maybe she's just getting them, borrowing an empty no, one. No, she saying, could I'm just be though. With my friend online. Yeah, no. They definitely would try and wind me up after that. And then the other thing that you That's have to be careful up. of is, I think sometimes if you become too preachy, not like your friends, family, anyone that knows you is going to wait for you to trip up. 
and then they're going to stop thinking about what you're trying to teach them and they're just going to be waiting for you to mess up so they can be like, you did this, but you're doing this and you said this. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. How can you say this when I just saw you do that? Yeah. 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 So I think it's humor leading by example. And then if they're not going to change, whatever, got 12 years to save the planet. I still love you, sir. Yeah. But that's so scary when it's not just their future that they're ruining. It's, it's everyone's. Yeah. But also on that note, I feel like I've become a bit more like recently in the past year, maybe like I was always like, I'm a privileged white person. I'm pretty lucky. I live in a nice house. I can travel. I'm pretty comfortable where I am. I do have like the privilege of like going to the bulk food store and spending a bit more money on my groceries. And I've got time to go and do that. And so like so many families and people don't have that, that, um, like that luxury and that's why it's really important for our governments to put protocols in place and big corporations and things like that to change their behavior to help out the little guys because yes we're both young we don't have people depending on us or like kids or anything like that and so it's easier for us to make change on an individual level but I just I've started to take the brakes off about like trying to ram that like change your behavior message down people's throats because you know, if we all use a bloody keep cup, it's not going to save the world. Yeah. That sounds really depressing, but like, no, no, I get, I get what that. you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree that, that you're best off leading by example. Uh, and I've noticed that in, in like my life as well. I've got house, like three housemates, three of my best mates. We all love each other and stuff, but we have pretty different like behaviors when it comes to consumption yeah i'm really wary that like there's a dynamic to maintain and the status quo and like i don't want to just become the guy who's just always talking about it because even like you talk it's like the vegan thing you know you say it once and you're the guy now like that's all you ever talk about like people just brand you immediately and such a counterintuitive thing you don't get anywhere because it feels like it feels like offense and defense it feels like a real conflict yeah and it doesn't it shouldn't be it's because for me personally it's such a gateway to a happier and like a far more wholesome life beyond the packaging or beyond the type of food it's yeah, just for like, sure. all this stuff is so interconnected and helps you just dial into the world around you in that like suggesting to somebody to cut down how much plastic they're buying or how much red meat they eat it's not just about reducing that specific footprint that they're leaving behind them it's about like tuning up that connection to everything else that they do yeah it's so hard because no one has no one has these rules written down and even if i found like even trying to do trying to be as nice and gentle as i could possibly be it's always frosty there's always an atmosphere like the other day actually i'll tell you something really fucked up that's been happening to me yeah i've been having nightmares Oh, really? Um, about what? Really? I think it's about this. I've only recently, literally like in the last few days, put, put it all together. But basically the nightmares have been this recurring dream where my jaw, stuff happens to my jaw. And I, it's either, it started out where I just clenched my jaw. It'd be the worst locked jaw I've ever had. Yeah. And be like unable to unclench it. And it's just getting harder and harder to the point that my teeth start splintering. My jaw breaks. My mouth's full of blood. There's a tremendous amount of pain. And it's a pretty dark and gloomy experience and I wake up so <sighs> touching my mouth like oh my god thank god that was just another one of these messed up dreams and yeah I guess I'll shake it off and try and live my life again and then the it started happening in reverse the other day where like my jaw unhinged came off the other direction it was just like it's this messed up stuff that's happening to my jaw I was like this has got to be a thing like maybe this is a dream that enough people have had that there's some psychology yeah. around it I, wait did you google it I googled it <laughs> You and cannot believe Google. Oh, you know, it is though. Like it's a what real thing. What does it thing. mean then? So this is what really confused me is the whole thing. All these psychologists are saying it's to do with self-expression. And if it's happening to you, you're not expressing yourself enough. And I was like, um, these psychologists don't know me. I do a podcast. I'm pretty sure I talk about this far too much to most people, like whether that's it or not. And then I think that basically I've been working at this place where I have to represent someone other than myself. And so I have to smile through my teeth and give people single-use disposable cups because apparently it just tastes better. And, oh, the coffee's delicious. Can I have another one? Oh, no, just in a takeaway, please. And I have to be like, yeah, sure, here you go. Oh, I'm having nightmares about this, but don't, worry, don't you worry about it as long as you're enjoying your weak latte. Like, yeah, okay. You know? And so then I thought maybe that's where it is, is I'm having to really constrict how I'm 
approaching that situation and not say the things that I really want to say, which is like, how come you keep, like, what, like, at least have some sort of conversation about it. Yeah. Are you guys a responsible cafe? Uh, it's a brand new one, so I doubt it. It's literally been open for two weeks. Then that's what you got to do. Got oh, to put I'm, that stuff in on a roll and then you jork and unclench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so messed up. I don't know why I laugh about it. I think it's a coping thing because it's pretty, it's pretty, that is very heavy. Yeah, it's it's not not a good dream. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't happened the last couple of nights because I think I've gotten, I think because I've actually reconciled like what it's all about. And then the other day, I actually like, I saw a guy drop a cigarette butt like right in front of me. Did you say something? I did. (gasps) What happened? Well, because he's, it was like slow motion. He just dropped, he took this big, luxurious drag of his cigarette dropped it slowly just smooshed it out and slowly wandered off and i intercepted him in between where he did that in the building he was presumably walking back to yeah and i was like oh i got his attention I was like, hey dude um you just like you just drop your cigarette on the footpath and he's like oh yeah and i was like oh it kind of sucks because there's a bin right there and there's a beach right there and yeah you know? yes yes i love this well but yeah but he was immediately frosty like there was an atmosphere of course he is you're telling him how to live his life but he doesn't want to hear that but am i though like, yeah you are you are even if you know it's the right way people do not like to be reprimanded but this is the thing is i, I thought that to myself like, that was a conscious thought is do not reprimand this human being because that's you don't get anywhere with negative feedback like it's more about but like how on earth do you make that a positive conversation yeah so i tried to do it with a smile and really gently and just be like you know it's kind of like it's just there's a drain right there and there's a beach right there and you're in manly and this is the most beautiful place in the world and it's kind of crazy to be just dropping plastic right there yeah and i you know it it whatever he turned around he picked it up put it in the bin it seemed like it was there was no real palpable animosity there was definitely an atmosphere because it's a really uncomfortable and uncommon conversation to have, but there was a result, and I sort of hoped that maybe that was the mo- that was disruptive enough to maybe stop it, him doing it again sometime, or maybe I'm totally deluded and he walked out and maybe he's going to drop two there every single time now because I pissed him off. Maybe we should hunt him down and find out. See, that sounds like that sounds negative though. That sounds like holding someone down and saying, "Stop doing this." No, no, no. Hunt him down and find out if he is going to change his behaviour. Oh, I mean, I'm monitoring the footpath because it's within view of my of the coffee. Oh, yeah. So I've got eyes on it. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, No, I think I also think people don't think of cigarette butts as litter. Totally. I think they don't like. There's like seventeen thousand little particles of plastic in a cigarette butt. I think. Really? Yeah, or maybe fourteen thousand, somewhere between that number. And shit people loads. don't, yeah, shitloads. And people don't, I just don't think they think of it as rubbish. Why is that? Is it because it's brown and people are like, oh, it's just cardboard or something? Or it's, it's I think it's because it's tiny. So there was this study done a couple of years ago. Don't know who funded this study. That's, um, that's what the internet's all about. Is some studies, to studies I'm like, who, who, st- sure who decided to study when that? When it happened, but it was a study. Yeah, so this study was someone trying to find out if you're more likely to recycle a piece of paper if it's been torn into little pieces. Or is in one piece and the same amount, but one's in like little pieces and one's in a piece and like nobody recycled the little pieces. So it's, even though it was the same amount. How did they measure that? I don't know. Read the, <laughs> read, the, read the caption. I think I was, when I was working at One Million Women and we made a little video about it, but it wasn't my video. Um, but I know my colleague was working on it. Um, but yeah, that was the... That was the crux of it. Right. That, so the smaller it is, the less willing people are to consider Picking a it up. responsible waste stream. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I reckon it's also why communicating the microplastics issue is a bit more tricky than like the macro rubbish, which people can understand because mm-hmm. they can visualize it. They, can, they know it's caused by us. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the microplastic issue is something that we need, like needs a little more sexing up to get people to understand a bit better. It's a hard issue to sex up, though, because yeah. I mean you're talking about consuming a carcinogen, true, and basically being unable to not do it. Like, yeah, that's true. It's it's like this. It's like the world is the zombie apocalypse has already started. Everyone's infected. It's just a matter of when. When, yeah. It's the scariest thing to think. Like, how on earth do you make that a fun conversation to have with people to engage them about microplastics? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I feel like that's a massive, uh, it's a massive break in the chain of understanding what it, ha- what it means to buy plastic 
is basically to force feed your family, every human around you, that plastic in million pieces that you can't see eventually. Yeah. It's literally like every piece of plastic you buy, you're force feeding the rest of the world a carcinogen and just a little bit at a time. But it's out of sight and it's out of mind and people just chuck it in the bin and that's a portal of responsibility that I no longer have to consider and off it goes. It's not in my life, so therefore it may as well never exist again. Yeah, for sure. Do you live totally plastic free? No, I try. I try my best. I did plastic free July, like form, like really had a good crack this really? year. Really? And yeah? Yeah. I had, there were four bits of plastic that I used. That so is very good. Four and a bit. I had a dental appointment during July. Yeah. There was a shitload of plastic during that. Yeah. Okay. But I was sort of lying there with stuff in my mouth going like, well, I don't really want the guy who was sitting in this seat before me's material in my mouth too. So... I feel like that's a third-party plastic use. I don't know if that counts. I could have not gone to the dentist. Okay. Nah, that's the rules are if it affects your health or the rule. Who wrote these rules? Where do I, I just read know they're them? the rules? Okay, who told like, you? Well, because thanks for telling me. You're not gonna like. I think it's the same as like if you're vegan, but you're gonna have medicine. You know, and at some point, medicine was most likely tested on an animal. Mm, mm. And you know, we've all got boundaries and lines. It's just deciding out where yours are. And then we need some collective ones for humanity. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that's the, this is a good starting point because you seem to be familiar with a lot of these rules that I am just going off the smell of an oily rag trying to figure out what they are. They're my rules that I've concocted from watching people. Yeah, okay. Well, that's good because I've sort of been pretty self-involved in it just trying to pay attention to what I do. Yeah. And I don't know, it's really hard to figure out whether like where you sit on the broad spectrum and just because something's accessible to you. I totally agree with you as far as being the most privileged people in the entire world with bulk food stores within arm's length in all directions. Like if we can't do it, how on earth do you expect anyone else to? Yeah. But that's where, I, that's where the frustration enters for me and it makes it really hard to have a fun, humorous conversation with someone else who's got the exact same opportunities as me, yeah. same lifestyle, same lack of dependence, same financial and physical opportunities to cut down their footprint and they don't do it. And I'm just like, why are you above this? Like, yeah, true. And then it's the opposite end. Like they're just don't, they're disengaged. The story of stuff. Do you know that organization? No. They're awesome. They do like all it rings these. A bell. Yeah. They do like lots of different, um, they're really informative and like, get information out there in a really well way, good way. They did like a graphic that was, um, I don't remember like the tagline of it, but, but they were basically saying like, um, like lower socioeconomic people who live in, who are in lower socioeconomic bracket, they are so focused on like sorting their own stuff out and dealing with like their own. Just getting week to week. Yeah, just yeah. living week to week that they become distracted citizens and they can't fully engage in these kind of bigger issues because mm. they're just focusing on like survival sometimes. Do you mean, I guess it's really hard to um, compare socioeconomics across countries, but a disadvantaged person in Australia is still in a better position than a disadvantaged person in India. This is true. This is true. Yeah. Our government terrifies me, dude. Like when you and I are the ones in the hot seat explaining to the rest of the world in 20 years what Australia was doing, when shit was hitting the fan. Yeah. We're gonna be the ones saying, well, we were polluting a lot and we closed up our borders to all the refugees that we displaced. Sorry, yeah, I don't, for I don't sure. know what to tell you. We had a guy called, um, shit, Scott Morrison in parliament. He brought this lump of coal in and then none of us really knew what to do because he got in again. And then, uh, you know, yeah, it's just gonna be the again. hardest conversation to have. I think it's because it's like a slow burn as well. Like you wouldn't, you know, in like the day after tomorrow and all those kind of movies, something happens. Like the end of the world is very obvious. I feel like at the moment it's just like it's kind of life as usual. Like there are definitely so many signs that things are going wrong, mm. but they're not like drastic enough at the moment for like governments or our government to be like, we've got to do something, if that makes sense. Like it's not like, like definitely like there's insane droughts, extreme weathers going like wild the great bay reef is like not doing well but you know i don't know what it will take for our government to be like yes we are in a climate emergency now and we're going to act well if it's not going to be this government i've no. resolved because after what melissa price did 
last year releasing the CSIRO, no, not even CSIRO, it was the IPCC's 91 climate scientists from the UN and their specific recommendations to Australia about what you need to do and how you need to sharpen up your act yeah. in terms of reducing our waste, reducing our use of fossil fuels. She basically withheld that information for weeks and then released it on the Friday night of a long weekend with two grand footy finals on. Basically like the time that there were the least amount of sober and attentive people yep, in the entire country just slip radar. it in there. Oh yeah, we made it public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 7.30 p.m. on a Friday night when everyone was getting on the booze. Like, it's just so crooked. It's the most calculating, like, evil thing to think about the person who's supposed to be the biggest environmentalist in the country doing. Yeah. Environment minister. Environment minister? Like, you're meant to be the person who cares the most. But that's what I find really interesting about politics in Australia is that, like, you get a portfolio and you may not be an expert in that area, but you get... Yes. Yeah, so like, I find that such a strange concept that we that politicians get portfolios where they are not experts or have been advocating for the opposite of that portfolio yeah. in the in the in case mining. of Melissa Price <laughs> yeah. like coming from iron was it she's like has a crazy resources background yeah yeah they all just seem like economists and they just swap yeah port like clients basically like yeah. portfolios it's so gross it just seems like there's no one with any integrity who actually cares about what they're doing in the two major parties. And today I saw on SBS that there's like a Liberal MP um, who's advocating for climate change, for both sides of the climate debate to be taught in schools. Like, no, we're so beyond even talking, like there is one side to climate change. Um, BBC have actually started saying in their documentaries that um, moving forward they no longer have to kind of provide two sides to the story of climate change because they are in consensus that climate change is real, it's happening, and we just need to stop arguing about it. But like, here in Australia, we're still kind of talking about if we should teach both sides in school. That's crazy. That seems like such a deluded thing to suggest, like teach children that- Both sides. That, yeah, teach them lies or teach them how to I don't know, obstruct the truth. That's super weird. Yeah. A guy I know, you know what, this summed up for me. Um, someone I know, we were having a chat and um, he said, we were talking about, um, oh, like going to completely like energy cars and no fuel cars. Mm. Um, and we were just talking about it and like the logistics and all that kind of stuff. And um, he, he said, you know, it's not going to happen in our time so we don't have to worry about it. And Ooh. I was like, that's the mentality of like a lot of our politicians at the moment, you know. Totally. By the yeah. time they are, but it will happen to their grandchildren or their children. And it's just, it's interesting that there's not that kind of connection to it. Yeah. The electric car thing is also particularly weird because people laud electric cars and praise them as the future and stuff. And I don't d defy that, but also we get our electricity from coal and gas and oil in this country. Like like charging your car yeah it's great to own a tesla or whatever but you, you've bought a vehicle that's got parts from all over the world you know those batteries aren't cheap they're not they're not environmentally gentle to manufacture and then you're charging it up with electricity that's come from burning coal like it's sort of at the moment until we've got actually yeah. mandated renewable schemes in place sort of um it seems like a more of a symbolic thing yeah I don't this know, dude's I'd, coming straight for you there's yeah, a bush turkey. These brush turkeys are just getting... I feel like there's so many more of them. You know, the, the, the prepper in me, the real doomsayer, thinks like, can you eat them? Like, I'm if, sure you if, could. If she, They're protected the now, tomorrow, though, so don't try eat one now. Fully, that one had a tag on it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, if it was going to be a day after tomorrow scenario, presumably the person with that, the other end of that tag can just geolocate that fella and then oh, chuck it in the Oh, I know where it, its doomsday snack will be. I wonder if that's what it is, some nefarious ranger who's like, yeah, we need to protect the brush turkeys, but he's just tagging them, knowing that it's going to be some hectic food supply in the future. I'm going to burst your bubble, but I don't think that's a radio tag. I don't think Probably it's got not. a geo tag on it. Probably not. Those things are expensive. Are they? Yeah. I've never played with them. I just assume that they've become really cheap like everything else. I think else. the ones for the turtles on the back of a turtle is at least like five grand. So you, you've got to think for turtles, eh? Like you got, yeah, I love the turtles. Talk to me about turtles then because I, I love turtles too, but I suspect I probably not as much as you. Um, yeah, so I 
I'm a dive instructor. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's how I like ended up caring about all of this, all of this stuff actually. Um, and I like so I dived a lot with sea turtles in the wild. Loved them, but like didn't super super love them. And then I started working at the aquarium in Manly, um, and they had a little rescued sea turtle there called Sea Biscuit. And Such a good name for yeah, a she turtle. was so good. She, they found her when she was like tiny, like the size of my hand, and she was missing a flipper, and so she couldn't go back to the wild because like she got accustomed to people because she was learning to swim in the pool and things like Just that. Just around in circles or something, or she was good by the end. She was like properly swimming around. Yeah, but anyway, I used to work as a shark diver there, so we'd go in four times a day and take um, people diving with the sharks. But in winter, it was so cold. Um, and the first winter I worked there, I was still like high on the job, so I loved it and I didn't mind the cold. Second winter, kind of used to it, not keen on the cold. Mm. But Seabiscuit the turtle, she got me through those winters because she'd like come down. I, I had no idea that turtles could be this friendly. Um, she'd come down and like put, put her flippers, like her one good flipper around you and like move her shell around. Oh, and like are you go having for me a scratch. Right no, really? No, and then. Um, <laughs> The other turtle we had, her name was Myrtle, and I made her an Instagram, and that's how the grumpy turtle started, because she looked ah. grumpy, and I was like, I'm going to make her an Instagram, and I used to like Photoshop her into all of these like scenes <laughs> yeah. when I was not diving, and I was obsessed with it for a while, and then I kind of was like, hey, I reckon turtles are grumpy because, so like turtles are really impacted by climate change. Mm. Um, the sex of a turtle is determined by like the heat of the, like the sand incubating the egg when they're in the sand. And so the more it heats up, the hotter the sand is getting. Um, and then you get what, all females or all males or something? Yeah, yeah. So wow. it's heating up more, so we're going to get more males, um, I think. Let me double check that. Hold on two seconds. Either It goes one way or the yeah, other. Yeah, it goes one way or the other. It distorts the balance of yeah, that population. I need to know, though. I need to know. Yeah, yeah, do it. I'll tell you why turtles, what turtles represent for me more than anything yeah. is how inferior humans' version of time is. Oh, I, yeah. like, I feel they're like we're dinosaurs. They're such dinosaurs and they're so tuned in. You know, like, like you think about the human calendar, 24 hours in a day, except some months you need an extra day, but not some years you don't. Yeah. Um, also, like we have all these other weird discrepancies in our calendar that we need to account for because we've miscalculated how to register that it's been one full calendar year. Yeah. Whereas a turtle can turn up on the same beach and it knows on the single tide yeah, exactly like one tide on the same day of every single year in the same place yeah and it just represents that there's this like our version of time is so inferior like when you need to i don't know just trying to make things linear and i guess that's all humans do is try and mathematize everything around us but yeah. we haven't done a good job of it with time and turtles tell me that they don't have bait they don't lay their eggs until um they are at least 30. 30? Yeah. How old's the oldest turtle? Is it like 4,000 years old or something? Um, not, that, not that old. No, 100. I think it's 100. Like, that's probably... I thought probably... they were older than that. I thought they Wait, were you like... mean like in prehistoric years? No, I thought they were I thought they were like 300-year-old turtles rocking around. No, I think like the Galapagos turtle, there was one called Harriet. She was quite old. I think she was like over 100, but I don't think three... That's pretty bloody old. I know. That's too old. Did you get a buzz out of that turtle being called Harriet? When you yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so I would, I just need to know, you know, when you think about something, you're like, I need to know the answer to that. Yeah. Especially with a microphone yes. attached to your jacket. Yeah. Like, uh, I could throw out a number right now, but I might lose all my credit. Ah, uh, yes. So if. I wish I thought like that. Sorry. If a turtle is, like if it's hotter in the sand, they're all going to be born female. Right. So is that so that there is more the following year to strengthen the numbers, like to have more opportunity to reproduce, more wombs, basically? I don't know the actual reason, to be honest, but I just know that because they don't reach sexual maturity till they're 30, you won't see the impacts of how that will impact the population until like a few years later. Mm. I know that they just did like a study on Rain Island and there was lots of female turtles. Um, and then there's just eventually not going to be enough enough men for them to get jiggy with yeah right so the male turtles are kind of not that upset about the sand getting a bit warmer a bit mm, less competition there'll just be less year. males yeah though. but then there'll be less males born 
And then oh, it'll be yeah, just like the rise of the female turtle. Yeah, there's nothing good about that. Yeah. And you think this is why they look grumpy? No, I think... <laughs> they're just frowning full-time. I think they're frowning full-time because like, they're really impacted by climate change, plastic pollution, you know. the plastic oh. Turtles are like the poster girl for plastic pollution. Totally. And then like overfishing, of course, which is a big issue in the ocean. Um, the video of the straw in the nose yeah. is just... Oh, it yeah, just makes heavy. my blood run cold. It's the hardest thing to watch. Yeah, it is. And um, yeah, and like poaching, obviously. Um, so I was like, oh, they look super bloody grumpy. And then I started getting more into, um, like conservation while I was working at the aquarium. I actually really only learned about it when I was working there, when I was working up on the reef and I lived in Tonga for a little bit, didn't really, like, I love the ocean and I love going diving, but I didn't know that much about like what was happening to it. Mm. And so, yeah, then when I did, I started running like events and beach cleans and things like that. And I started doing, I actually studied graphic design and journalism for a year before I moved up to the Wix Sundays. Mm -hmm. So I started like using my old graphic design skills to make these terrible posters that were like, come to my beach clean. And then I was like, this is important to be able to communicate well when it comes to um, like conservation and environmental issues. Yeah. And so then I studied design. Yeah. And then I started right. stop posting photos of Myrtle photoshopped into like outer space <laughs> and decided to use my business name. But that's humor, right? Like, so for somebody who doesn't think that the plastic straw they're sipping their drink out of makes a difference, you could show them that video of the straw getting yanked out of the turtle's nose and it'll just make everything make their whole body contract or you could show them a picture of a turtle in outer space and like you might engage them in a different way to be able to have the conversation. I think it's like three three funny things and then you need that hard-hitting turtle in a nose. Uh, really? You've got a ratio, nose. three to one. Yeah, I think so, three to one. Okay. It's same with like sales. you got to do like three value-giving things and then you've got to do a sale. Interesting. I've got a ratio like that that I think applies to a lot of broad things. Mine's five to one. Yeah. So a little more conservative. Wait, that's almost the... Oh, no, no, it's not. I was going to say it's almost the same, but that would be if you did... I think it's. I think we're talking about the same thing where yeah. I'd try and do like five positive or funny interactions before the one negative educational sort of interaction or whatever. Yeah. But I, 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 think, I think it's this like broad ratio that can be applied to a lot of areas of human psychology my background's in hospitality and cafes and I decided you basically need to give, if there's a baseline experience, let's say is five out of 10 for going to a cafe, you need to give someone plus five points to get them to give you a positive review online. You've got to hit 10 out of 10. It's got to blow their socks off to yeah, review okay. you positively. Or you've just got to drop down one point down to four for them to get online and flame you negatively. And that it, is true. It, it's this five to one ratio and I think it applies also to this positive versus negative reinforcement being positive reinforcement is probably five times more effective than negative reinforcement in trying to convey a message, Yeah. particularly about, you know, inflammatory stuff like pollution. Yeah, definitely. Shame doesn't work well. Shame doesn't work well. But shame is everywhere now. That's mm, the problem with the is. phone. Is it like is. you walk around with the entire world's information in your pocket so that when someone tells you something you don't know, you almost feel shame because you could have known. If you'd use your time a bit, you know, if you'd use your time properly, no, more but that's you've got to be open when you don't know. You have to be like, I don't know. Agree, agree. But I think that there's this weird undercurrent of shame to all of those conversations, which is why people just don't want to talk about anything anymore face to face because they feel like they feel bad for not knowing everything already. Yeah, because you could know it. It's all in your pocket. Like that's true. You put the right words in there, the right stuff will come up. Yeah, but you also can't trust everything on the internet. You've got to be careful who your sources are. Mm. There's a lot of crap on there. Yeah, that's true. Especially like, did you check out the psychologist credentials of the people that you Googled your dream? No, I did what I did what I do for everything, which is just aggregate all the stuff I can find and try and hit the middle point and just go, okay, well, there's an extremist over there on one side. Okay, there's the extremist the on the other side. I'll read 10 different things on the same subject and I'll try and find the middle point. Yeah. And But I can't deny that it's probably... I'm biased due to the resonance that it has in me of whatever I think it might be or whatever feels like it applies the best. Yeah, like you Google headache, nausea, and then you think you're going to die. Headache, You've got to be careful. nausea, does cheese and red wine help? You know, you'll be able to find the answer. It yes. does, it does, well, I mean, apparently. It's certainly been my experience that it does, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know about how much um, science is behind it. Yeah, there's a, there's a real problem with echo chambers and people being selective with 
who they discuss. Yeah, for sure. Their lives with, yeah. Mm. So how do we get people out of the echo chamber of just silence talking about pollution? Because I think that's like a pretty big Do you mean one. in like real life or on social media? Well, both, because that line's getting pretty blurry. I think you have to be... I think the echo chamber works well for... I feel like unless it's like a hard-hitting video of a turtle with a straw up its nose um, or lots of news on the same subject from reputable sources or videos or things like that, if you're someone that has like a platform on social media, you actually should just be talking to the audience that's already on board and then giving them tools to be able to change the people in their circles, if mm. that makes sense. Because mm. I feel like someone probably wouldn't like follow you or I on social media if they weren't already at least a little bit interested in like sustainability or the planet or things like that yeah yeah. because they haven't they haven't hit the outer circle of caring yet so yeah. they would come to you and they've already done that if that makes sense so i think it's important to have like the echo chamber online it's when you're in real life interesting yeah i've not i've not considered that once because I, I i just i'm sort of engineered to think of an echo chamber being a bad thing for fair and like rational discussion of certain things yeah echo chambers tend to sort of oppose being able to hold conflicting viewpoints at the same time and achieve an actual conclusion about something yeah but that's a really yeah. good point that you, you, you can sort of it's, i guess it's a ripple it's a ripple effect type thing like the way that you influence the people who are already most likely to then push the message further out away from you and then just hope that that keeps going yeah but then I guess it's your responsibility to make sure that you are checking your facts and like always come back to checking the facts mm. um and um like following reputable sources so like every morning I kind of I check the guardian I check the conversation and I check the daily telly to see what's happening over there um and then like Sydney Morning Herald so I actually have stopped getting news from Facebook and I've started going straight to news sites. That's good because it was kind of a concerning thing that we started doing that at all. Like yeah, it's so from heavy. Media. Like, have you? There's a new. I want to watch it. Haven't watched it out on Netflix. The data, the data hack, or it looks really good. But like, Sounds terrifying. How Cambridge Analytica, you know, engineered the um, election using people's data in America, and now they, they promised that they had five thousand points of data for every American voter. That's insane. Wow. 5,000 points of data. It could just be little things like a check-in here. They checked in there. They clicked on this ad. But like 5,000, that's so much. And wow. then they're saying that data is now a bigger, like it's a biggest industry as oil. Wow. Mm -hmm. Scary. Terrifying. Because I can't imagine data like that being used for the greater good. It's hard to imagine no, the people neither. that have access to all that data making philanthropic decisions about a cleaner future. <laughs> yeah, no, I so can't imagine that either. It feels pretty unlikely. Oh, so I so always scary. used to be like, oh, I don't get, like, I'm not, when people get their knickers in and not about, like, privacy laws and stuff, I'd always be like, oh, like, if someone's spying on me, I'm not doing anything exciting, whatever. Mm. Um, but so now not I... about that, eh? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, you're not, you mean... Well, I've heard the same thing from people where, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to hide, who cares? It's like, well, you should. Like, it's not about that. It's about the fact that someone knows all about you now, where you're going to And they're going to use your data. I don't like that. That's not cool. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I still find myself doing it, though, when I download new apps like the Face. Have you done the Face one? No, I haven't done that. Old? Although it works very well. It's, a, it's really disturbing. Crazy. I it remember showed... they brought one out like that like five years ago, and it was funny but not that good. But this one is like you Dude, literally look shocking. old. I showed it to my parents, and the look on their face, I was like, oh, I just crossed a real boundary because your parents are never, ever supposed to see you at that age. Yeah. Ever. Like, they shouldn't even be able to conceive Oh, they would have you. just been like, this is... Yeah, it was really slack of me. I didn't really even think about it. It was like, oh, Dad, check out how funny this is. I don't look anything like you. And he was just like, I could see, like, somebody going in. was like, oh, fuck, that was probably, um, that was probably a bit red hot, like, if you're a parent. Yeah, seeing But basically, I'll download an app like that, and I'm too intoxicated by the prospect of making people around me look elderly that I'll just, like, agree. I'll agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Obviously, I agree. I'd hit, I hit install, like, hurry up, download. And there I go again. Like, I've just hit, I've just sign the contract without reading it again yeah and now they're using photos of you on fake passports overseas is that oh really no, is that that's not i totally just made that no up. that's such a reality now How read I, that. that's a new nightmare for me i guess i don't have to worry about uh, my jaw anymore because that's yeah. pretty much the most terrifying 
thing ever. Idea? I'm like obsessed yeah. with like post-apocalyptic stuff. Really? Like obsessed. Okay, so what do you think is actually going to happen? Um, see, I don't know. Like Give me 50 I, years from now. 50 years from now, like in the post-apocalyptic, like not hopeful sense. As in you think that there's an apocalypse before, like in the next 50 years? Not an apocalypse, but like I... No, I'm all about being hopeful, but this is going to sound super negative. But I think maybe the oceans will have changed a little bit so that around that we won't have as much diversity within the ocean. Mm -hmm. And so the life that we find in the ocean might be a bit more boring. Um, like coral reefs provide 25%, like 25% of animal species mm. a home. And so if we lose our coral reefs... That's not just marine animals, that's all animals? That's a good question. I think it's like 25% of life in the oceans. Okay. So seabirds forage out there and like dolphins and mm. things like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, so like it'll just start to look quite similar in the ocean. Mm. So that's probably like, that's probably the thing that frightens me the most because I love diving. But beyond the diving, that's got some pretty... Oh, yeah, Pretty definitely, but that's kind of how I connect it to myself. Um, well, yeah, definitely, people, like, tourism industries, people, like, livelihoods are the like ocean. food and terrestrial ecosystems being affected by the loss of biodiversity oh, at yeah. sea. And it'll collapse the sea, like, collapse everything. Okay, so what's your optimistic version of what's happening in 50 years? My optimistic version is um, we'll pull our socks up so that we can look after the reefs that will survive because I think that we can help some reefs survive not all of them um, we won't have any new coal mines we'll make a really rapid transition to solar power and other renewable energy and we'll have cities with like awesome urban farming mm. happening, little fruit forests, we'll plant like a trillion trees to draw down the carbon so we'll have lots more green spaces um, we'll have like 300% rise in social enterprises. 300% rise? That was just a number I pulled up That's a good number. But that, like it could be, like, that I feel like really that's feasible plausible. in the next 50 years. Fully. Like, it's a lot, but it's not out of reach at Yeah, all. for sure. Yeah. And we'll be working less. I think we need to work less because we don't, you know, I feel so much of, like, what happens in the world is because people's mental health sucks and you know, depression and anxiety is on the rise for like multiple different reasons. Mm. But I just know that speaking from myself, if I'm not happy in my own self and haven't gone outside much, my, like I buy, I retail therapy more. Mm -hmm. um, you drink and eat more. And so if you're just more connected to the planet and have more time for yourself and not in the little rat race, your yeah. mental health is better. I'd actually push back on that. Why? Because I don't. I just think. I agree with what you're saying, but I think the problem lies in our definition of work. Okay. Because I feel great when I work on stuff that I care about. Like yeah. that's when my mental health soars. Is when I'm actually like pouring energy into stuff that is that means something to me, and I can actually feel a difference. And whether it's a, a measurable dis difference or not, if I can feel it, that's more important. Yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, you, you go diving and one dive to the next doesn't look any different on paper, but it could have been a completely different experience for you with what happened underwater. It's just it can't be measured. Yeah. But that's an energy expenditure and that's using certain resources, be it bodily or physical, and it's have you having this experience. But, I mean, like I have that when I go surfing. It's really hard to, like, to tell a non-surfer, you know, the difference between a day like today and a day when it's six foot and perfect and no one's out it's on paper i just went surfing for three hours both days but they were two completely different things yeah but there but there i would say that that's work in a sense it's like physical work and it's it's spiritual work and it's just i think that our definition of work is wrong and it's about whether it's working for someone else or working for yourself I yeah, actually okay. reckon like when I work for myself, my mental health is at its best. And it's when I work, I agree that like when I do mindless work or work for other people, work that I don't, that I'm not really engaged with or I don't really, I'm not invested in the outcome. Yeah. That's my mental health suffers big time. But it's the total opposite that when it's mindful work and it's stuff I really care about that like, oh, you go to bed just like fizzing. You just can't wait to wake up each day. It's like a totally different headspace. That's true. But I reckon... 
you never ever sometimes work is work like I've, t I've done projects before that I'm not that jade on but you know it's paying the bills and if I was doing 70 hours worth of that a week mm. I'd be not a happy person mm. and I just I don't reckon I don't reckon we're gonna live in a world where everybody can do the work that they want to do if that makes sense. I really don't think we will ever. See, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I'm like cynical of that as the outcome, but that's what we're working towards. That's what technology and yeah, unification of our intelligence and emancipation from labor is all about, is the fact that then everyone's got all the time in the world they want to just decide to do the things they want to do. Yeah. Because like we're humans. That's what we do is we work. We like doing stuff. We're productive animals. We get, I don't know, I, I think I'm probably on a more extreme end of the scale as a bit of a workaholic but certainly like I feel like that's I, I get really bored pretty quickly if I've got nothing to do yeah 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 and yeah I don't know I think um maybe not everyone's experienced that though because it's hard to summon that energy when you have spent it all on mindless work for someone else that you don't care about yeah it's hard to then like go oh well I'm now going to go spend 12 hours doing something for me yeah, yeah. But that doesn't really feel like a gift to yourself. That feels like more of an, a task. I think my thing is like in New Zealand, they trialled, some companies trialled a four-day work week. Mm. Um, and yeah, they got the same amount of work done and everyone was heaps happier. Yep. That's definitely got to be the future. That disturbs me to no end is when people say, yeah, I've got a holiday coming up, so work's super busy for the next fortnight before oh, yeah. I go. And then when I get back, oh, I've got heaps to catch up on. It's like, well, did you have a holiday or did you just redistribute your schedule? Yeah, no. I think that's true anywhere, though. That's like, even up. I, like, if I, like, when I worked for somebody else, it was always like that. Um, unless you work a job that's, like, when you're diving, someone has to literally replace you. Right. But when, yeah, I guess when you're doing more office stuff, you do have that pile up. It's kind of the same, you now I'm working for myself, it's like you switch off and then you come back to a shit fight. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, but... Mm. I guess it's like, but I think you just live the life that you want to live. Like, sometimes I would do a 13-hour day so the next day I can take it off and go diving, if that makes sense. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, but if there's heaps happening, but if there's not, then I would just work a normal day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess it's having the luxury to do that according to your bottom line or somebody else's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, I always find it weird. Okay, I have arguments with my dad about this all the time because he's quite high up in um, the corporate world and he's always like, you got to, like, work your way up, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't understand. If I'm paid X amount a year to do this job and my hours are this, people, like, I'm always just so people just always work unpaid overtime and I just find it so interesting that like there's that culture of that of people working like four hours extra night sometimes in mm. like the corporate world mm. um yeah it's just I don't get I just I'm, I've always been a bit baffled by the way people do that like if everybody collectively pushed back and was like I'm not going to work like that then the we would change that culture in the corporate world that's like You've the got to, well, yeah, you've got that. to be here late and that means that you're dedicated when it actually doesn't at all. If you can get the work done that you're supposed to in the timing that you're given, then our, that is better. Our DNA is never going to allow that though. Like we've evolved to compete. We're like every other animal in every ecosystem competing for resources. It's, you can compete. Yeah, I don't know. You can, you're just a little minion. Well, that's the scary thing is that you have to look at a ginormous corporation as an ecosystem that you're getting into and there's a bunch of other organisms in there that are exactly the same level as you who will consume you if you don't fight. And if fighting means staying till midnight six days a week, well, then that's the story. And yeah. if you don't like yeah, it, you've got to get out of that ecosystem. Got so, out of there. Yeah, I never intend on entering one. Don't. No. I'm I feel like, you know, like everyone like makes the co like corporations out to be this big bag thing, but I think... There's definitely getting good ones. Like Patagonia is not a corporation, but it's pretty big business and they do things differently. What's what's the definition of a corporation? I just always imagine like Combank. I consider a corporation like multinational business. Like, okay. I consider I definitely consider Patagonia a corporation. Yeah, but I feel like their culture is probably quite different to somewhere. Definitely. In terms of this, the spectrum of corporate responsibility, they're at the very top yeah. for that scale of business, for some like for a business that's got its fingers across the entire globe. But even even like Patagonia is still 
I don't know. I got really hypercritical at one point when they released that food line. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that. They've released a food line and it's in single-use plastic packaging, and they're like uh, single serves, like fifteen grams. Oh, 40 that's gram controversial. Serves. Right, because their whole mission statement was cause no unnecessary harm, and I was like, uh-huh. huh. Are they for like camping when you need dehydrated food or whatever? Um, I think some of them were, but I okay. think some of them were just sort of trail snacks and stuff. But they're, oh, I mean, good. that's all I find when I'm bushwalking is those little tear-off corners of little packets yeah. that people have dropped because that's the small bit that they're not thinking about. But it seemed kind of weird for a company that prided itself on cause no unnecessary harm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, whatever, like I'm not bashing Patagonia, but I'm just saying it's even the epitome of corporate responsibility isn't you know, isn't hitting that mark. It's yeah. got a, maybe this is the 300% increase in social enterprise yeah. that's needed. I just feel like sometimes it's hard to scale things and be sustainable, um, like to really, truly scale massively. It's quite hard. Like even with, um, like even with massive um, NGOs, uh, you know, their budgets for marketing and fundraising go up a lot more, which is great because they've gone massive. Um but then sometimes I'm always like, what's the impact now? And, and that's why I really like community grassroots things that are happening because no one knows how to help a community more than the people in it. Totally. And sometimes, you know, like, obviously love Greenpeace, love those big organisations, they're doing awesome work. But I think you need to have, like, those bigger, larger scale NGOs alongside, like, the grassroots community groups. Mm. Um, because right now we're even running like a um, petition to get Northern Beaches Council to declare a climate emergency. Um, oh, where do I sign that? Oh, I'll send you the link. Please do. Yeah, and cool. share it. That'd be awesome. Absolutely, I will. Um, but we think it's really important because I, I know that Greenpeace is running like a, a campaign to get councils to break free from fossil fuels and like declare climate emergencies, mm-hmm. which is really, really awesome and such a good idea. But for me, I think it's really important as like someone who lives here in Manly to start the petition myself mm. and then Sarah Rickards, who's going to take it on the night next month to the council. And there's a councillor already putting a motion through. And I just think it's really important to have someone from the community do that because when you go into a community as not someone that lives there or a different organisation, you can like get people's backs up because... They're just, they're not part of the community. This is such a beautifully circular way to come back to what we began this discussion with about how contentious it is to talk about like indigenous issues where if it's someone outside the community, it's viewed as a recreational issue. Yeah. That's so true. I had never applied it to, to grassroots versus large, you know, international organizations being, yeah, that massive loss of connection is like, it's it's a touch, it's a tactile thing. Like it's so different to be on the ground and experiencing whatever it is that's about to be impacted by whatever decision's about to be made. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, please send that to me. Yeah, I definitely will. I'm trying to get 2,000 signatures. How many yet so far? 500. Oh, cool. And yeah. what, another fortnight to go? Three weeks. Oh, sweet. Three weeks, maybe 27th of August. Oh, you'll definitely get there. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like just to say to Pete, like, you know, the, the it's just so the councillor who's putting this motion forward can be like, and we've just had 22,000 people say they agree with this. Yeah, in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah just to have that like extra. Is it online or is it, is it like a physical? No, it's just like a change.org one. Okay. They're so bloody easy to set up. Is that just like making change your dates easy. and then? Yeah, it doesn't yeah. get sent to the councillor. Okay. Apparently that's super annoying and they just switch off from the issue. My insider source said what, that. What, when they get 2,000 emails yeah. saying the same thing? Yeah. They, I think with that stuff, you can actually, like, put a setting in that's, like, block all emails from here. So, yeah. Oh, that's scary to think about a politician disengaging from something because of the volume of people that are caring yeah, about it. That's that? so messed up. <laughs> Too many people give a damn. I'm going to switch this off. Look how many people already care. They don't need me to care as well. Yeah. Oh. Well, anyway, that's really positive. I'm excited to sign that. And I'll be excited to find out how it goes. Yeah, me too. I'm assuming I'll read about it. Because, I mean, that sounds like a no-brainer. That's got to go through. Well, who was the last big council to do it? Noosa. North I Sydney, I think. Brisbane Brisbane said no on Monday night. Said no? Yeah. Queensland, really? On what ground? Not that good. Um, they said it was alarmist. We should be alarmed. Yep. 
<laughs> the, Queensland's full of political blur. I'm it's, just so... It's, yeah, it's interesting. Hearing about, all, or, or, like, watching the... How many people are in each other's pockets with the Adani situation and the complete farce of the environmental management plans that got passed in that tiny two-week time frame that Anastasia Palaszczuk said, all right, we need to green light it. Yeah, yeah. And then just... That was another thing. Melissa Price apparently said um, she approved it, gave it federal approval, and she was quoted in papers as saying, I did this because it was the express uh, advice of the CSIRO. Yeah. CSIRO didn't tell her a single thing. In fact, there was like this email chain that got released under freedom of information laws that proved that people, lobbyists, had tried to hush up the CSIRO's recommendations such that Melissa Price didn't hear a word about it but still greenlit it anyway. Yeah, yeah. Just the, ima- just the amount of environmental treason that's going on is shocking. It's like movie worthy. I feel like some of the storylines that are going on in our parliament houses should be on a screen somewhere. Yeah, for sure. For me to munch on popcorn like in disbelief. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But not suits. No Meghan Markle on there. <laughs> um, is there anything else you wanted to chat about? No, before? I feel like I could cheer you off until the cows come home anyway, so I'll let you go. No, but is are you sure? That, yeah. No, I think we chat about everything. I just want to... I need to go I need to go for a swim before, I, before the sun goes down. We'll I didn't go this morning. That. Yeah, get in. I, I jumped in for a surf before I came here. Ah, uh, did you? It was selfish of me and it was what made me a little bit late. So I was pretty relieved oh, that you were fine. late as well. Because <laughs> oh, I did the same thing. Isn't that human being just a cracker? What a legend. Thanks, Harriet, for that chat, which I really enjoyed. And I'm sure everyone still listening did as well. And with that, in fact, brings us to the close of season one of The Ripple Effect. Eight conversations with eight very different people who are all doing inspiring things in the sustainability space. Have you enjoyed the series, guys? Have you enjoyed listening to these people? Because for me, getting these conversations firsthand and sourcing this data in a primary context by sitting in front of these people who let me put my fingertips in their brain and start smushing around and asking for their wisdom... It's been such a treat for me to be able to get this information firsthand and really start spreading different people's messages about this one common shared problem that we face in terms of health, the health of our planet, the health of our bodies, the health of our minds. All of these things are so interlinked. And so this series has really aimed itself towards identifying that triangular relationship and that if you start positively affecting one of those things, chances are the other two things you're going to benefit as well. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, please share it, guys. Please tell your mates about it. Please tag people. If you can think of anyone who you think might benefit from listening to one of these conversations, don't hesitate to tell them. Share it around because we've loved putting it together. We love that it's now sitting on the shelf as a free-to-access piece of data. Data seems like such a reductive word to describe the richness of the wisdom that all of these people have shared with us. But what I'm saying is, please share it. Spread the word and let us know who you'd like to see in season two as well. Tag them. Please give us feedback, basically. We want to know what you liked, what you didn't like. Hopefully there's not too much of that. But hopefully there is some stuff that you did like, stuff that you'd like to see more of. And yeah, if anyone comes to mind, don't hesitate to let us know for season two. And that'll be it for me for now. So thank you very much for listening, guys. I've really enjoyed your company. Hopefully you have enjoyed mine. And we will connect again some other time. Peace and love, everyone. Goodbye for now.